Welcome to Worthy, I'm Alexia Boland. Earlier this year, the CIA released a collection of once-classified documents all relating to UFO investigations, sightings and research, with most of the data dating back to the 1940s and 50s. This treasure trove also included case studies and sightings and actual photographs snapped by those who believe they spotted UFOs around this same time. Today on Worthy, the truth is out there, or at least it is down under. And that's the case according to Australia's own Ben Hurl, who spends his time living a similar life to the fictional investigators from the X-Files. His organisation, created in 2010, responds to possible sightings and unexplained phenomena in Victoria, a state in Australia's southeast. His group is part of many organisations around the world, all striving to uncover and confirm the truth, known as Victorian UFO Action. And this is his story. My name is Victorian UFO Action, and the work and the emphasis on action—that's what we're all about. We're we're not armchair ufologists or anything like that. We get out there, we put our boots on, and we go looking for what's happening in the UFO phenomenon, primarily in our own state of Victoria, where where we live. And Victoria has had has had many of Australia's best UFO encounters have occurred in Victoria and there's a long history of UFO encounters here going back for, for many, many years. Right. So our group, has, yeah, so the group has a website, we investigate, we educate, uh, we've, held a, we've held two conferences, so we're very proactive. You're very well organised as well. We do our best. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're we are, yes. We, you know, we're very passionate about it. I mean, one, one thing we're really, really keen on is is, is bringing the UFO phenomenon out. In, out, it's, it's mainstream to a certain extent, but it's not it's not taken seriously, and, and it's not really looked at in the way that I think it needs to be looked at. In the in the twenty first century, uh, we've evolved a long way, and there's so much more we could be doing in terms of of, of what we can do to, to make people aware of this. Of, of, you know the reality of UFOs because in in the, in the time that I've been doing it, I've seen plenty of evidence to the reality of it, and I think that the general public and I think for children too, um, there, there should be a more um, it should be taken more seriously. A UFO in China's skies forced Zhaoshan Airport to stop operations on July 7th. Outbound flights were grounded after the unidentified flying object was detected by a flight crew. The incident has captured the attention of Chinese media. Theories about the UFO's identity are burning up on the internet as well. Some Chinese residents are on edge this morning after another apparent UFO sighting. It's the second one in two weeks. The first sighting was on July 7th, and an airport had to be shut down. All right, that's a UFO if I've ever yeah. seen one. Yeah, can you that's identify it? That's undeniable. The airport had to be shut well, down after people apparently saw twinkling lights above the airport terminal. 17 flights had to be diverted. The last, the latest sighting happened just two days ago, and people say they saw four lantern-like objects forming a diamond shape in the air, hovering in the sky for over an hour. What kind of evidence have you seen throughout your investigations? Well, in, in what I've read in, in casework from around the world, there's been lots of really credible cases where there's been good witnesses, there's been good physical evidence of, of something actually occurred there. Uh, so, for example, uh, there's been some type of a landing impression on the, on the ground. 
um, there's been some sort of effect on the local environment or animals is great too when animals are involved in UFO cases that's really exciting um, so there's been many cases and, and you know so I spoke about Victoria before like uh, some of Victoria's great cases are uh, Westall High School where three UFOs flew over the high school um, on the 6th of April 1966 and 150 kids saw three UFOs come over and land near the school so that's just one example where you've got multiple witnesses uh, there was a great case from Rosedale in Victoria where a farmer was woken at one o'clock in the morning by all his stock running around in, in a mad panic and he, he went outside to see what it was and he saw this object flying low across his paddocks and all the animals were scattering and the object then hovered above a water tank and basically drained all the water out of a 10,000 gallon water tank. It landed on the ground next to the tank, um, it left an impression on the ground, it knocked him off his motorbike. There was all these things that happened and a lot of these cases are relatively unknown and they're Victoria's UFO history which is really, really important. And those cases have been um, strong in evidence, strong in character of witness and and, and so that's, that's, that's just what I've read and seen and observed. But, you know, I've, I've seen things in the sky myself that I can't explain. And I, and I understand the night sky or the day sky very, very well in terms of planes, in terms of satellites, in terms of planets, space junk. You know, I, I know all that stuff that's up there. And I've seen all of that. And I've seen, my, I've seen things for myself that when I apply my logical uh, tickness to it, that still defy some explanations at the end. Do you find other people come to you, to, to, to your organisation and a lot of the time, you know, it is just a flash of light or, but most of the time it's just things that cannot be explained reasonably? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, the, the, the problem, and I say that with inverted commas with UFO investigations, is that a lot of what you get is lights in, we call it lights in the sky cases where someone sees something in the sky, it's a bit strange, they can't explain it, it may have a prosaic explanation or it could be something really fantastic. Um, what can we do as investigators? Hmm, well, we can go talk to the witness, we can go to the location, but we don't actually have the quarry, which is the UFO, unless they've taped it on a video or they've taken a photograph of it perhaps, which might be, which I regard only as supportive evidence, I don't regard it as, as the whole thing to have a video. So it's, it's very, very, um, it's not like ghost hunting, for example. Like a ghost hunter can go, to the old, can go to the old hospital, they can go to the old insane asylum and they can set up their gear and, and all their little local residents are there. The problem with UFO investigation is that UFOs can appear 24-7 at any time, in any location, day, night, anywhere. They can occur 500 miles from where we are as investigators. So it's a lot harder to, to actually uh, investigate it in the sense of like if you were investigating a crime per se. A strange spiralling white light was spotted in the early morning sky over Sydney with even sceptical witnesses wondering if it was a UFO. The unusual sight was recorded by hundreds of people from Victoria. Well, I wish I could give you an answer to this bizarre sighting. I really can't, but I can tell you that earlier today, there were dozens and dozens of people right here on 23rd and 8th. They were standing right here, and they were all in a stupor, just crowded together, looking into the sky. Well, a lot of people are looking up. It's because of a mystery in the sky. Is it a balloon, a UFO? Whatever it is, it sure has a lot of people talking. 
do you find that there's been hotspots, I suppose? Is Victoria a hotspot or are there certain areas where, you know, potential sightings are reoccurring and that's, you know, I suppose even more exciting for you to be out in the area trying to have a look? That's very true and I'm glad you brought that up because Victoria, every region of Victoria has a UFO history. That's the most exciting thing about it. So when you talk about hotspots and that, and there are hotspots and I'll talk about those, but every region of our state has got UFO history. UFOs and good cases have appeared in the northwest, in the in the southwest, in the central area of Ballarat and Bendigo is a great hotspot. Uh, the northeast up around Albury and Wodonga, Gippsland where I'm based has a great UFO history. Uh, they occur everywhere. But when I say they occur everywhere, it doesn't mean that it occurs every day everywhere. But at some point in time over the last, let's say the last 50 years or so, every area of our state and the metropolitan areas included in the Mornington Peninsula area, all those areas have had strong UFO cases. So yes, it's very exciting to be to know that, that our state is, is of interest. And areas of recurring hotspots where you could say there's been long, long-term activity. One of the classic examples is Narry Warren and Cranbourne area. That's a that's a really, really hot spot for some reason. And uh, UFO sightings are very, very common there. We get lots of reports out of that Narry Warren, uh, Cranbourne, down the peninsula to a certain extent and up into the Dandenongs. Very, very popular corridor for, for UFO phenomena to appear. Other areas of the state that have got great UFO history is the Golden Triangle area of the state. So the, the Ballarat Bendigo area has, has a lot of UFO history there. The Mallee region, up in the flat desert country of Victoria, where it's very dark at night and, and sparsely populated, there's a very good cases from there. East Gippsland as well, where I am. So it does occur. It occur it's occurred in every location. Um, Flaps do occur at different points in time. And I'll give you an example of a UFO flap. And what I mean by a flap is when there's a flurry of activity in a, in a particular area. And I keep talking about 1966 because that was, that's been the best year that, that we've ever had. In yeah. UFO, Lots of people uh, refer to the 60s as well. Like it's well known in Australian history that that was, you know, a time when it was quite yes. suspicious. Very much so. Like you had, um, I'll give you one example in April. On the 2nd of April, 1966 in the suburb of Baldwin, a man took a photograph of a UFO uh, low over his house. It was published in the, in the, in the Herald or the Sun at the time. Uh, that was on the 2nd, got a lot of exposure. On the 4th of April, 1966, a man called Ron Sullivan was driving in central Victoria and he encountered a UFO on the side of the road and actually bent his headlights off the road and he nearly, he nearly followed the, his headlights off the road into the object, but he put in a counter steer, narrowly missed hitting a tree and then two days later, a young man was killed at the exact same spot and hit the exact same tree that Ron avoided two days after. Um, and wow, then, that's chilling. It is chilling. And on the 6th of April, uh, sorry, this was the 7th of April, on the 6th of April, Westall occurred in, in Melbourne where the kids saw it. So that's an example of a flap. So where there's a flurry of activity and Fred Valantich disappeared in a Cessna over Bass Strait in 1978. And when he disappeared at that time, there was UFOs seen right up and down the, the, the coast of Victoria on that night. And around that night, there was a lot of UFO activity. So at different times, 
they appear. They appear in different places, different numbers, but you do get little spikes of activity and that's what's called a flag. And in your investigations, how often is it that you can say and confirm a sighting and say, yes, that, that it must be, it must have been a UFO or a flying saucer, it, you know, there's no other conclusion? Well, you've got to be very careful with that. Um, first of all, because you have to look at the evidence. First of all, evidence is evidence is king. Uh, you know, witness statements are, are really, really important, and witnesses form the cornerstone of, of any experience because they're the people who've had that, who've had the experience, and they're relating to you the experience as it occurred to them. That's great. They may have taken uh, some sort of evidence as well, as in a photograph or a video. And as I said, I, 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 that's only part of the of the whole thing. Like, a video is not everything. It, it's only supporting. Just part. Yeah. It's only a supporting piece of piece of information that may or may not support what they saw. For example, someone might film the International Space Station, which is like a bus. It just tracks across the sky on a regular basis. There's an app you can get. You can watch it pass over. Now, if you film that under certain circumstances or in any, any particular way on your iPhone or something like that, it could look like the most strangest spacecraft that you've ever seen, right? So you do have to be very careful with, with evidence as, as it's presented to you. And witnesses can, can be uh, 100% integrity that this is what they've seen, but they don't necessarily understand everything that's up in the sky either. Most people don't, most people don't look up, first of all. We spend their time looking at the ground. So that's a very, very important thing. Um, to, 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 to go to the point where you'd say that, yes, that's definitely a, an alien spacecraft, there's got to be a lot of work done um, before you can even remotely draw that sort of conclusion. You might have heard about Roswell, the great conspiracy theory about UFOs crashing in the deserts of New Mexico. Well, Australia has its own UFO mystery as well. This goes back more than 40 years, witnessed by 200 people who say it was kept secret by the military. But what would you do with that if you did, you know, say, OK, I've got enough evidence here and it's, you know, beyond reasonable doubt that this was something, you know, some kind of phenomena, you know, would you even yep. take that to the authorities? Would you take it to the government? Like, what would be the next step? Or would you just celebrate the fact that we have evidence to say that there's, you know, life on other, you know, planets? Well, look, I mean, you know, first of all, you wouldn't take it to the government because they know what's going on anyway. So the governments of the world, including the Australian government, have got certain knowledge about the UFO phenomenon and they with, they withhold that knowledge. And Which is also, you know, the plot line in so many films as well. Like it's, you know, cover-ups and conspiracies and, you know, that, those kind of yeah, theories. And I, and I, and yeah, and I'm not getting too conspiratorial in my, in my statement with that either because... Mm. You know, like, I think that there's governments within governments and there's gatekeepers mm. in all levels of society. And the UFO phenomenon is just one aspect where there are gatekeepers around that, around that phenomenon. And it's very, there's a very important reason why. Mm. It's because of the technology that they're talking about, that's, that the phenomenon, that's at the core of the phenomenon. So the American government, the Russians, the Chinese, they all want the technology. So if a UFO crashes somewhere in the world, and Roswell would be the most famous example, there's Kecksburg, there's other ones out there, there's been numerous UFO crashes around the world. These things are very much quickly and efficiently dealt with by a system that can deal with it, process it, handle witnesses, and 
the whole thing is kept under control. So, so when we get information that's that's that is uh, of interest, and I'll call it of interest, mm. we will pre- we will present it on our website. We've got Ufoa TV where we do interviews and documentaries and things like that. Mm. We will present what we find, and. It's not up to me to tell people what to believe. I'm an investigator, and an investigator investigates. So I'm not going. I'm not here to tell anyone that that I don't have an agenda to tell people that UFOs are real and you all must believe. Mm. I mean, we investigate it as a group of interested people, and we will present what we find. And hopefully, people will find it interesting, and hopefully, hopefully, people will even more importantly, they will think about it, and it might just expand their expand their thinking just a little bit more than beyond the daily little world that we live in. Have you found uh, by having your website you have gained a lot a lot of support, a lot of following that you probably weren't expecting, especially, you know, I suppose it's easy to criticise what people don't know or can't, you know, prove. So um, are, you, are you quite humbled the fact that, you know, more and more people are getting involved and, you know, and giving you information about sightings and coming on board? Absolutely. Look, I've had some great um, footage come to me this week from from up in the Mallee area of, of Victoria, and, and, and it's really good footage. I can't explain it. And we get people sending us photos. We get people sending us videos. We get people calling us up with experiences. And look, we are here for the people who've had the experiences. That, that is that is one of the core reasons for for having a UFO investigation group because people can't even tell their families. They can't even tell their friends, their work colleagues about some of these encounters that have occurred because they will just be ridiculed. They will think they are crazy. Mm. So they need a place where they can go to, they can relate their story, they can present their photographs, and it can be done from an open-minded perspective. That doesn't mean it's a full-on believing perspective or that we encourage them and tell them it was aliens from this particular planet or any of that crazy stuff. We're just here to listen to the story, to investigate it, if it's worthy of investigation and the witness wants it to be investigated. Uh, and I think for witnesses, that provides them with, with something that they can that they can take away knowing that, that there is some type of a support network for them. And what are your, what are your hopes for the future? You're currently um, recruiting, I saw, on your side as well. Does that mean, you know, you're looking for fellow like-minded people that, you know, want to join the search? Because I suppose the more feet on the ground or heads up in the sky having a look, the greater chance of, you know, finding... Finding something. Uh, yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Like you know, there's no money for UFO investigation, not a penny. Um, we've spent thousands of our own dollars uh, doing this. There's no government money. There's no. There's no. There's no sponsors. Uh, there is literally no money available for this. So the wonderful people who come on board and give their time, uh, take a passionate interest, who want to get out there, become become investigators, uh, the opportunity exists. I mean, you know, we've got a team of about 15 people, uh, of which the majority live in Melbourne, and, and we're trying to cover the entire state. So are we under-resourced? Absolutely. Do we need people with skills? Yes, we do. Do we want people who are passionate, interested, and open-minded, and, and keen to know about their place, our place in the universe? That's the people that we want. And how can you get involved if, if someone's listening, even, you know, if they're in another country, you know, are there other local, you know, um, international groups that you also liaise with and share your experiences? Absolutely. We've got, we've got connections all over the world. 
um, and there's each country in each region and each state in Victoria, in Australia, sorry, uh, has their own state-based UFO groups. In fact, we've got quite a nice um, uh, relationship between all the states uh, now in, in, in Australia. We, we all know each other. We all we all talk once a month via a via a Skype group that we've got from Queensland, New South Wales, Tasmania, Victoria. We're all coming together once a month as as, as UFO researchers and you know having fellowship with each other and, and sharing information, providing support for one another. So yes, there's a, there's a strong network out there for people uh, to to inquire. So you know you can you can go to UFO Research Queensland, UFO Research New South Wales. Um, to FOIC in Tasmania, there's places out there that, that people can get involved in locally. Uh, if they're in Victoria and they, and they want to be involved in BUFOA, they can go to our website www.vufoa.com and they can make inquiries on there. So there's and around the world, there's, there's, there's the same the same in most countries around the world. So there is plenty of plenty of groups out there, and gradually we're all working together. To make it a bit stronger, so that so that the the whole UFO phenomenon benefits from it, and the public benefit from it, and over time it gains greater credibility, and which it truly does deserve. Uh, and our minds are expanded. And uh, is there any friendly competition between <laughs> between all these organisations for who you know can prove the world wrong first? Oh, look, I don't think so. I, I think that, yeah, sure, everybody would love to have the UFO land in their front yard and, and, and you know, have a chat with the occupants and present them to the White House or something like that. Sure, there's, <laughs> there's going to be a certain amount of everybody would love to love to be to be the people or the group or whatever that does that. But I think at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't really matter who, who does it. I mean, you know, the Russians have sort of threatened the Americans to release their information. So... There is some kind of pressure in the world as it is, and, and because the phenomenon is a real phenomenon, and because it's already known about at the highest levels in the world, um, anyone who breaks it realistically is is really just I don't know. It's it's not about the people who break it. I don't think. I think I think it's about uh, the information getting out there for for. And I, and, you know, I hate saying it, the people of Earth. You know, like. It's, it's about getting that information out there. So to me, that's the most important thing. Um, and, you know, and, and, but, you know, I, I think in Australia we don't have the competition that they do in America. In America they tend to be a bit more competitive and, and they tend to be a bit more, uh, you know, they can be a little bit more negative towards each other over there. In Australia, generally speaking, uh, the groups do work fairly well together. So it hasn't always been like that, but, but we're starting to get that building now, which is nice to see in the 21st century. And, you know, Ben, thank you so much because you have expanded my mind. And um, it, by the sounds of all accounts, it's just a matter of time. So, and, you know, and that's the most exciting part for you, I'm sure. It really is just a matter of time. That, that's, that's very, very true. I mean, um, something's going to happen. And, and what's going to happen is one of two things. Um, no one says anything unless they absolutely have to. Okay, that's, that's the first thing. If information doesn't have to be revealed, it won't be. So either the visitors from out there, from wherever they come, they will do something that will be undeniable. So, for example, some type of a massive public um, appearance, for example, where you know there's a massive mothership appears somewhere in the world and it's undeniable that it's actually there. 
or there'll be some type of governmental pressure where um, the, 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 the heads of the, the states around the world, there'll be some type of pressure exerted there for information to come out as well. And Hillary Clinton has made a part of her election promise that she's going to investigate UFOs and get to the bottom of it. So there's plenty there's of hope. More, there's plenty of hope in that regard. Uh, investigators know the truth anyway, so so it's not it's not a big leap for us. But there's a lot of people out there for whom it will be a very very big jump. And finally, Ben, is there life on Mars? Look, is there life on Mars? I think that most likely I tend to probably stick with the scientists on it. I think that there has potentially been life in the past on Mars. There could be life there still. It's certainly not wandering around on the surface in the form of a goat or a, or a goose. <laughs> um, is there life in a rock somewhere? And I'm not just talking about microbial. There, there could be some type of more advanced life than just microbes. Um, I'll say that, yes, it's highly possible. Fantastic. Ben, thank you so much. You're very hard to argue with. So, you know, thank you so much for your time. You've, you know, opened up my mind and I feel like I might, you know, put my head up and look at the sky a bit more often now. Well, I always say look up as often as you can because you never know what I might be looking down. That's it for Worthy this week. If you want to share your own UFO stories or get in contact with Ben Hurl and his team of investigators, you can visit VUFOA.com and check out his own show too. Thanks for listening to Worthy. I'm Alexia Boland. Tune in next week.